1: Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash card.
0: What's up, everybody? And welcome.
2: I am your host, Alan Bell. And this is the Early Edge NFL Week 14 preview presented by Caesar Sportsbook and Casino. i tell you what. Let's not a waste a single second. Let's bring in the stars of the show and get this thing going because we have a ton to break down. First up, my man, RJ White. Good to see you, sir. How are we doing?
1: Doing good. Coming off a Bills win, dominant win over the Patriots on Thursday. So we'll see if they can keep that up. Another tough team, tough defense on the slate now in the Jets. So excited about how my team's doing. And now that they're in the number one seed, maybe they can have home field advantage at the playoffs by the time we get there.
2: Yep, they're playing tough, man. Playing tough for sure. M Squared, my man, what's up?
3: Not a lot, AB. Watch a little soccer today, running through this week's 14 slate. Uh, some bigger numbers out there. It's that time of the season, uh, but some very interesting and friendly numbers as well. Can't wait to dive through
2: them. Hey, I'll tell you what, speaking of friendly, the maestro looking sharp as always, sir. How we doing?
4: Great to be back with you guys on this Tuesday show. You know, I had a really nice two-week run on the site. Last week, it was 5-5, and but I feel a little cheated. Had the Jets. I feel that was the right side. Had the Ravens. Lamar Jackson gets hurt. Uh, But those things happen. Let's get after it.
2: Man, let's get after it indeed. I'll tell you what. Let's bring up the first game. Thursday night football. We have the Raiders, a six-point favorite on the road at the Rams. A total of 44. Baker Mayfield. And the Los Angeles Rams. RJ, you've got to play on this game. Start with you first. What do you got, bud?
1: You have the Raiders minus six. Seattle closed minus six and a half at the Rams last week. They were eight at some point during the week. They didn't cover that game. They almost lost. You can say that that line was off. But, um, you know, the Raiders are definitely better. They, they look much better than them in week 12 when they played. Um, and they won that game on the road. So I don't know what this line is in seven or higher. Um, maybe it's the short week being an equalizer that you have less time to prepare, but I think it puts the Rams team that's limited in talent with all their injuries at a bigger disadvantage. Um, and it may be Bryce Perkins at quarterback. It may be Baker Mayfield. I hope it's not Baker Mayfield for their sake. You don't just want to throw a guy out there with, with like one, one practice. And uh, barely knowing the playbook, I I can't imagine that's going to go well for them. So if the line comes down because of this Baker news, love the Raiders even more. But I think you want to play them anyway. The Rams have a good run defense, so the Vegas offense may have to lean on uh, Derek Carr, Devontae Adams this week. But I think that's fine. I think the Rams put up their glass gas fight this season last week. Now with Stafford on the IR, I don't see why anybody's going to play hard the rest of the way. This might be a quit spot for them.
2: Yeah. And you know what? The Raiders are a dangerous team because they're right there in that mold of, you know, they could still make some noise and get there. They've got to do a lot of winning. M Squared, how do you feel about this game, man? Anything on the spread? Anything on the total? What are you seeing from your models? there?
3: Yeah, I like the Raiders side a lot. Uh, I'm going to end up playing it. I'm letting see where it moves here. I don't think we're going to see a ton of movement early this week. Uh, Mayfield will not be eligible to play or available to play. Uh in this game. So I make the number eight. I think the better look if you want to tease games or like a few money line parlays. I think there are a few good options this week. This being one of them, you can find this game in the money line market around minus 240. Um that's going to be an implied win percentage of 70. We have them winning around 78%, uh, meaning this line should be closer to 340 to minus 350. Uh so I like it as a money line leg if you're looking for another game that you love to parlay. Uh, but I, I do love the Raiders in the spot. You know, we've talked about them. They've lost seven games. Six of those seven games, I believe, were by six points or fewer. Um, a lot of really, really, really close competitive games. My hot take in this particular spot is the Raiders still make the playoffs.
2: Yeah, they will be there, like, and they're getting better week by week. And Devontae Adams seems like he's an anytime touchdown play in every game. Maestro. What are you looking at this man? You taking you roll it with the points there on the road. You like the total over under? What do you see it?
4: It would be Raiders or pass for me. You know, the Rams came into last week before they covered against the Seahawks with by far the worst ATS margin in the league. Uh, You know, they were failing to meet the oddsmakers expectations by seven and a half points per game. So uh, and Nate Hobbs, he is the top corner for the Raiders. He was out since October 10th. He came back last week, eight tackles, a fumble recovery. That's a huge boost for the Raiders. So to me, uh, favorite or pass.
2: All right, there we go. All right, let's jump into the 1 p.m. Eastern slate of games for Sunday in the NFL. First up, we've got the Browns at the Bengals. Bengals, a six-point favorite, a total of 47. We don't have any official plays on this one. But, Mike, I'm going to throw it over to you first. What are your initial thoughts here? You rolling Bengals at home? What do you say?
3: Yeah, so I mentioned that money line parlay. The Bengals' leg of it with the Raiders is one that I actually like. I love them to get the win in this game. Uh, I think there's a little value on the spread at six. However, I, I do think that the Browns can keep it competitive in this particular matchup. Um, I, I make the number just over seven, minus 7.2. Uh, I, I lean that way. Haven't played it yet. Mostly will be looking to attack it through Jamar Chase. Uh, depending on where his numbers open this week. But I I love another great matchup for Jamar Chase here.
2: All right. Maestro, your thoughts on this one? Deshaun Watson, he can have a better week this week. What do you think?
4: He would have to. He was the worst quarterback in the NFL on Sunday in a dream matchup against the Texans. First game and I think it was 700 days. Uh, I don't see him making major strides uh, against the Bengals. That's a good defense on the road. I think he's going to struggle again. I mean, the only thing that puts you off of laying the points with the Bengals is Joe Burrow. 0 and four against the Browns. They know how to defend him, But remember last time they didn't have Jamar chase when they got blown out. It's a nice revenge spot, but initially, you know, all the money is coming on the Bengals. I think this opened three and a half or four, and now we're up to six.
2: Yeah. You know, I was just about to say that and throwing it over to you, RJ is that, you know, you look at what Joe Burrow, the Bengals have been doing. They've been on a tear as of late, took down the Titans, took down the chiefs. And you look at Joe Burrow. I mean, Not that he owns Patrick Mahomes or anything, but, I mean, he's got, you know, a solid number against almost everybody except the Cleveland Browns. It seems to be the only team that he can't get right against. Do you see anything here on Cleveland's side, anything that we need to know or take, or do you feel Bengals is the play?
1: Yeah, I think that that last time was less about Jamar Chase and more about the defensive line versus that offensive line that still was trying to round in the form had been very bad through through most of the first half of the year um, and got dominated. I believe um, the, the Browns had both of their defensive ends in that game for the first time in a while, Clowney and Garrett. Um, So I I was projecting them to have a pretty solid game in that sense. Then you look at these last few weeks, the Bengals offensive line has played a lot better since that first meeting. So if they can continue that level of play, they have a great chance of winning this game. Cleveland scored 27 points last week with no offensive touchdowns. Market obviously overrated Deshaun Watson, even though they covered pretty easily. Um, They shouldn't have covered that game. Um, Just they got all those defensive scores and the special team scores. Now he's going on the road to face maybe the AFC's best team off a huge win against Kansas City. Cleveland's defense is allowed 30 plus points five times. They're not going to get dumb turnovers here against Joe Burrow like they did Last week. So I do like Cincinnati's chances of covering this number, but that matchup specific thing you're talking about with the Browns, maybe schematically, it's just a tougher game. I could see the Bengals just winning by three and you just don't know what you're going to get with Deshaun Watson. He was terrible last week. We knew he was going to be rusty. The light could click on at any point. What if he has one of his Deshaun games where he's carrying a team offensively and all of a sudden you're getting a 34-30 game, you know, and then I'll, and it's not a cover. So I think there's a lot of ways this one can go on probably staying away. Yeah, I totally understood.
2: All right, our next game here, we have the Houston Texans at the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys, a 17-point favorite, all right? Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern, a total of 45. All right, Maestro, I'm going to start with you. We don't have any official plays on this game, but speaking about the Houston Texans and them allowing a defense last week in the Cleveland Browns to score multiple times, the Dallas Cowboys just did that and what we saw the other night. Is this something, 17 points? Like, how do you play this game here?
4: I think you lay it or you don't play it because the Texans have not been competitive. And we saw the Cowboys put up 33 fourth quarter points. They love to pour it on at home. Uh, You saw that feeding frenzy start to take place against a much more professional team in the Colts. And now you're talking about a Texans team they were down what was it 23 to 3 or 23 nothing to washington at home then they go to miami and miami pulls their starters in the third quarter which you never see in the nfl i i cannot remember the last time a team pulled their starters in the third quarter and then of course they come home they get a lead on the browns and then the, you know they can't do anything and the browns easily cover despite doing zero on offense so i mean this team has the number one pick they're they Kyle Allen shouldn't even be playing. Uh, So for me, again, it's Cowboys are pass under 17. I'm going to be, I'm going to be tempted.
2: Yeah. You know what? You said that last week before the game that Kyle Allen should not be playing at all. And you were spot on in regards to that RJ throwing the same thing to you. I mean, 17 points at home. Is that anything that you play with? Is there anything that you would do teaser wise? Do you move this to 23? It's beyond me in regards to these numbers. How do you go about playing a game like this?
1: So you can't tease the Texans because then you get a game like the Cowboys just had, just a two-point lead hitting into the fourth quarter, and then they win by 35. They can just wreak havoc on a bad offense at any time. He certainly has that bad offense, give up those two defensive touchdowns. They were one of 12 on third down as well. My power ratings have Dallas at minus 18. So I don't see value backing Tennessee or te- Texans at plus 17 anyway, but I'm not in a rush to lay it. I think if there's any way you play this game is to play the Texans team total under probably can find a 14 and a half there. Houston's been held to 17 or less than six straight and Dallas has 40 plus plus in three of their last five. So they conceivably could cover a 17. It's just such a large number that if I'm going to play the spread, I'm going to look at the Dallas side, but I think the safer spot is to go under on Texans team totals.
2: Yeah, totally makes sense. And Mike, I throw it over to you. I mean, uh, uh, take it anywhere that you want to go. A spread this high, the total with a spread this high, anything you see from a prop perspective, game script perspective, even a first quarter, because we know that you crushed those first quarter unders. Like, how do you go about playing a game with a spread this high?
3: Yeah, I think that the only thing that I would entertain would be the Texans team total under, Uh, like RJ mentioned. I think that's probably going to be the best look. Um, If you were serious about like really wanting to go play this game, the way I would do it is I would attack it through a same game parlay uh, and play either Dallas money line or Dallas minus three and a half, minus four and a half parlayed with an alternate line of minus or uh, under 21 and a half team total on the Texans side. That is something I'm more likely to do than playing the the 17, 17 and a half, whatever it may close at. Uh, computer number on it is 16.2, but obviously we're not even remotely close to wanting to go back to Texans in this spot. So for me personally, it's a stay away or, again, building a same game parlay that uh, allows you to get a very friendly alternate number on the Texans side while picking up a, uh, a win on the Dallas side. Totally
2: makes sense, man. Totally makes sense. All right, our next game here. We have the Eagles, a seven-point favorite on the road at the New York Giants, a total of 45 and a half. RJ, I'm going to throw it to you. We don't have any official plays on this game, but the Eagles, they look like they've kind of got right. Now, they're a different team at home than they are on the road. Not saying they're bad on the road. They're just unbelievable at home. How do you feel about this? How do you feel about the New York Giants? Can they cover the spread
1: here? Yeah, the gut feeling is obviously to play the Eagles with how great they looked last week, even, even laying seven on the road. But it is a divisional matchup. We know the Giants like to ugly up some games and try to win win some games ugly. Tried it against Washington, ended up being a tie. They just couldn't get that final score at the end. Um, but they're going to have some kind of situation you know, where they try that here. Philly's defense is now number one in yards per play, pass yards per play, interception percentage, and number two in sack rate. So it's going to be a long day for the Giants passing game. Philly's offense looked great in a pass-heavy plan versus Tennessee. That's what they needed to do um, with Tennessee's run defense being well. Playing well, but they can go back to running the ball here and be effective against the Giants defense as 30th in rush yards per play. Three straight games allowing 160 plus rush yards. So I think a lot of running here for the Eagles and um, trying not to make mistakes through the air and then let their defense take care of the Giants. I think the line should be a little higher just power ratings wise. But with this divisional game, I don't really want to play it. If I'm going to play this game, I'm probably leaning toward the under.
2: Yeah, you know what, Mike, I was just about to throw it to you. You know, what do you see in regards to the total? What do you see, you know, in regards to anything, you know, the spread, how do you see this game playing? Is it going to be kind of a muddied up game or did the Philadelphia Eagles just let that offense run?
3: Uh, I mean, they're going to try to let it run for sure. Uh, but in, in this divisional game, I think the number's mostly correct. I make it Eagles minus 7.3, uh, just barely over the seven. I, I don't think it ends up moving there with the road game. Um, Decent lean on the under, like RJ looked at. If I was going to do that, it would probably be a first half under, even though we know the Eagles have been pretty good in first halves this season. Um, Mostly think this is pretty efficient. Actually, looking at the numbers, for me personally, this appears to be the most efficient line uh, of the – or the efficient game of the week on both the spread and the total, though.
2: Yep. Maestro, throw it right back to you, man. What do you see? Spread, total, over, under, anything – that you like or don't like in this game
4: well the eagles are number one let me see yeah the eagles are number one in net yards per play now in the entire nfl they outgain their opponents by 1.2 yards per play uh on a per play basis and then the giants are down at 26 they get 5.1 a play they give up 5.7 so it's kind of Coming home to roost for the Giants, they were overachieving. Uh, They probably should have had that one. They were up seven with the ball at midfield, six minutes to go. This is going to be a tough one for them to swallow. That tie feels like a loss. Uh, Again, this is going to be probably, for me, favorite or pass.
2: Yeah, you know, and it's interesting. Like, you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, and I was watching them, obviously, last week against the Tennessee Titans. And, one, what they do is that they stay ahead of the sticks. Like, they're not afraid to run, whether it's Miles Sanders or – uh, Jalen Hurts himself, right, in regards to first downs, keeping themselves short. And third down, play calling, is phenomenal. Nick Sirianni and his team, it, they're just doing a tremendous job, man. Like, th- this team is never away from a first down. It's incredible. But they could churn clock. Like, they can run 10, 11, 12, you know, play series there and eat a lot of it. I'm fascinated to see how this game goes. All right, jump into oh, our next one, one thing. You got to check yeah, on that
4: game. You got it. Sorry. You got to check the status of Leonard Williams and Ojalari the pass rusher, because uh, they're both in question for this game and uh, they need both those guys.
2: Yeah. And week Martindale going to bring the house no matter what, isn't he? He'd love to bring that pass for us for sure, man. All right. So
0: this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
2: Uh, Jumping to our next one, speaking of the Tennessee Tights, we have the Jaguars at Tennessee Titans, three-and-a-half-point favorite, total of 41-and-a-half. All right, some news as of Tuesday. Tennessee fired general manager John Robinson, and there's kind of a lot that goes into it, most notably about the offense, the state of the offense. A.J. Brown kind of put the cap on that last week. Uh, RJ, I'm going to come right back at you, man. We don't have any official plays on this game, but how do you feel about Tennessee and Mike Vrabel pretty much assuming a much more powerful role in this front office?
1: it's interesting that they would make that personnel move considering they're owning the division they're going to win the division and going to the playoffs um he's been very successful i think over his tenure but apparently not successful enough unless there's some un- underlying thing that we don't know that's going on there in this game both these teams just got demolished so it's a it's a case where the market would be fading both of them if they're playing other teams but they're playing each other um only one of them faced a super bowl contender last week in tennessee the you know jaguars got their butt speed by the lions. Um, I think Tennessee could rebound against this Jacksonville defense that ranks 31st in sack rate. Doesn't have to worry about the pressure as much Tannehill was under siege in that game, but will he have Traylon Burks? And he really seems to be the only difference maker at receiver for them. I know Westbrook Akini has had some good games occasionally here and there, but I think you need Burks out there. So if he's recovered from his concussion, I think you can be a little bit more um, leaning toward the Titans. But Lawrence needs to sit needs to play too. Trevor Lawrence on the other side, he suffered an injury. If he can play, we'll see how effective he can be. I'm watching his week of practices. If he looks like he's good to go, I think I want to be on the Jacksonville side because Tennessee's defense can be exposed by the pass, and Lawrence. Was trending upward before last week.
2: Yep. Totally get it, man. Mike, throw it to you. You're here in Nashville, right? Like you, you see this team, you hear this team every single day. I'm just gonna get out of your way, man. What are your thoughts on this game?
3: Yeah, I mean look, these division games like this are tough. Uh I I, I don't think the Jaguars are very good. I question like RJ, I I want to back the Titans if Burks is playing. Um, I think this is a good spot for them to go win a game. Ultimately Um, don't like the number at three and a half necessarily. Although that's where I make it in the simulation between three and a half and four. Um, I'm going to hold off and wait on it. I think it's a good candidate for live in-game betting. Uh, I like the Titans on the money line. I'd like it to come down just a little bit potentially, but if you have another game that you absolutely love, I do think the Titans escape with a win in this one. Uh, but it could be a little bit closer here. So I'm not touching it as of now. There's just too much going on here between Traylon Burks and then the other side with Trevor Lawrence. Um, and the division's wrapped up for Tennessee. Just things like that. So uh, I- I'm going to pass on it as of right now on Tuesday.
2: Yep. I totally get it, man. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence is I- – I feel like, you know, he's just down at Trevor Lawrence and Traylon Burks. Both of those injuries, you know, are the two largest. If Trevor Lawrence doesn't play – Uh, Or he's not 100%. That could be a little little troublesome there for Jacksonville. Maestro, what are you seeing in this game? Anything you see spread, total, prop bets-wise, game script. What are your thoughts, man?
4: You're on mute. Man, oh man, my apologies. I'm thinking Derrick Henry is getting excited because he's played 11 times against the Jaguars. He has 1,143 yards, 15 touchdowns, 5.4 yards per carry. Only got a chance to face them once last year, went for 130 and dominated. So uh, I'll be looking at Derrick Henry.
2: Yeah, you know, through Derrick Henry's career, like there are two teams that it's just auto bet. On his numbers, and that's the Jaguars and the Texans. Like, I mean, he just goes off against those two teams. So, yeah, 100% on that one, man. All right, our next one. And, RJ, start with you, buddy. We've got the Jets at the Bills. Bills, nine and a half point favorite at home, a total of 44. You've got an official play on this one. You're playing the under of 44. What are your thoughts here?
1: Yeah, I'm playing the under and initially I wanted to like the Jets here at nine and a half. The Jets beat Minnesota in yards per play 5.9 to 4.3 in that game, but they just went three of 16 on third down versus nine of 18 for Minnesota. And that was kind of the difference for them, especially um, the turnovers, the interception and the turnover on downs in the first half led to two easy field goals where Minnesota didn't have to do much. and that ended up being the game there, but the Jets offense moved the ball. Well, no three and outs. Minnesota had one drive over six yards in the second half really feels like the Jets should have won that game. I know Larry was talking about it earlier. I had the Jets too disappointed in them um, not being able to at least cover much less win the game. This Buffalo defense is a much tougher matchup for them than Minnesota, who's bad against the pass Buffalo is coming off their best game since before the week seven bye. Uh, but the Jets defense held Buffalo to their season low in yards and points, and the offenses were dead even in that game, which the Jets won with Zach Wilson at quarterback. Now they've upgraded a quarterback with Mike White, but he did face the Bills in his last start last year. He was atrocious. I think four picks in that game, no touchdowns. It feels like this is going to be a rough spot for him on the road. I don't trust him. So that's why I didn't want to play the Jets ultimately. I just think both these defenses are going to kind of control what what um, what's happening on the field, and the under of 44 has a good chance of hitting.
2: Yeah, you know, you watched the Jets last weekend. I mean, they kicked, first off, they kicked 91 field goals in that game. In the red zone, they were atrocious. Like, they could not get in the end zone, man. It was frustrating to see, because that defense was playing its tails off. Maestro, I thought to you, man. Big spread here. Good Jets defense. Questionable, obviously, with the offense, the red zone. How are you going about playing this game?
4: I would love to get double digits here, and then I would be seriously tempted to take the Jets. I mean, if you just read the comments and how they fought back. They were down 17 and the way that they believe in Mike white. I mean, we saw this with Taylor Heineke. You see the rest of the team improving their play because of the quarterback change may, you know, for whatever reason, they like the guy better. He's more efficient. He gets them the ball. He doesn't do things off script. That's what Mike white does and the way that he led them back. I know they came up short, but I think they're going to carry that. I think this is going to be a, a tough game. And if this gets to 10 or, you know, over I'm going to be real tempted with the Jets
2: all right Mikey I thought the same thing to you man I mean essentially if you're taking the bills dude two scores
3: you got to carry it nine and a half is that too big what are your thoughts here yeah so I I make the number nine it's slightly too big um not something I want to attack right away at this point Uh, I do I do think that the Jets are live for some sort of a comeback late in the game. Uh, I think that it's one that the Bills ultimately escape pretty comfortably, though. Um, It's a live betting candidate for me if the Jets get out to an early lead. Uh, Again, I think the Bills are, are very clearly the better team. Mike White has been fantastic. The guys love playing for him. There's still a pretty significant talent gap between the two. Um, and a much tougher task here against the Bills' defense than he saw in Minnesota. More difficult conditions overall playing outdoors. Just all those things really add up to what should be an easy Bills uh, win. Like RJ, I have a lean towards the under on it. Uh, I could see this number jumping down to 43.5. Relatively key number at 44. Not as key as it has been in the past. Still pretty significant, though. Um, But yeah, it's, it's a lean on the... Bill's side, lean on the underside.
2: Yeah, and the Bills are probably just happy to be at home. (laughs) Like, they're probably just happy to play at home once again. All right, let's get into our next game here. We have the Ravens at the Steelers. Steelers, a a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home, a total 37. So, we don't have anything official yet on Lamar Jackson, but it's pretty much trending that he's not going to play in this game. Uh, RJ and Mike, you both have teasers that include this matchup here. All right, Mikey, I'm going to throw it over to you first. RJ, jump in right after.
3: Yeah, I love the Ravens in this spot. Uh, I'm going to end up playing them straight up as well, take them on the money line. Uh, Look, It's a big, big overreaction here in the market. Uh, I believe that this team, the Ravens, were minus three and a half on the look ahead before this. I I love Lamar Jackson. He's incredibly talented. The way that they replace him in this offense, he is not worth seven points to a spread. Uh, I make that number four to four and a half, believe it or not. It used to be five and a half. Never has been seven uh, ever for me in this particular offense, Um, especially against a team like this division opponent. I I like the Ravens. I think that they should be a pick them at worst in this game. Um, Yeah, so that's the side I'm on. I like the Ravens a lot here.
2: RJ throw it back to you, man. You got the same play here,
1: at least on this leg. Yeah, I had Ravens plus three as a play, then it moved to two and a half, and I didn't want to give out three on the on here when people couldn't get three. So I turned it into a teaser put a tease him up to plus eight and a half. Huntley was solid in relief last year, kept every game close as starter and nearly beat two of the NFC's top teams in green Bay and the Rams. Um, we know green Bay had the number one seed, I believe and the Rams went on to win the super bowl and he had the Ravens close to winning both of those games. So he he's going to have some success. I think here um, in this offense, like Mikey was saying, and it's really about stylistically he can run the ball. He did good as a runner in those games last year. Um, so he brings that to the table, even if he's not as talented as Lamar Jackson, you get some of these, these teams we have backups that, Stylistically, are nothing like their 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 starting quarterback, and you wonder what they're doing there. You know, when you design an offense around Justin Fields, why is Trevor Siemian your court, your backup? But this fits in a little bit better here, and I think they can keep this game close. It's also a very low total at 37, and we know points are more way more valuable in these low total games. Um, so I think Baltimore at plus two and a half is an automatic teaser to get it up through eight and a half, um, because their defense should should play well here, and Huntley gives them a chance to win the game. All right,
2: there we go. And Maestro, put it over to you. All right, spread total. Is it going to be big that the Ravens don't have Lamar Jackson? Are you feeling the Steelers at home? How do you see this game? Man?
4: I had a chance to watch the Steelers in person yesterday in Atlanta was very impressed until they took their foot off the gas in the second half and they got super conservative and they had to hold on and muster one big drive to put the Falcons away. I know the temptation is to say that everyone's overreacting to this downgrade to uh, Tyler Huntley, but you know, Huntley faced the Steelers last year. Maybe he's a lot better now because he has experience, but he threw for 141, two interceptions, a fumble. And the one thing the Steelers do with T.J. Watt back, they're a top five defense against both the run in the pass. Quarterbacks running against them, they do not do well. Four yards a carry allowed to quarterbacks. You see, you know, most times it's five, six or higher. So to me, if it's under three, I know you hate to play the Steelers as a favorite, a limited offense. But I'm impressed with Pickett and the way that he has not turned the ball over now in four straight games coming off the bye. Uh, I wish they would have opened it up a little bit more. He missed some throws yesterday that were there for him. It could have been a much bigger win. Uh, but for me, I'm going to look at the Steelers, even though a lot of sharp people on here like the Ravens.
2: Yeah. You know, Kenny Pickett, I mean, he's playing better for sure. And uh, I'm with you. You know, he when he first started, uh, he was definitely no-fly zone material. you're right. Like, he's not turning the ball over at all. All right. Let's get into our last game here from the 1 p.m. Eastern slate. This one could be fun, man. Vikings at Lions. The Lions, a a two-and-a-half-point favorite, a total of 53-and-a-half. All right. Again, two plays from Mike and RJ, two teaser legs here. RJ, I'll let you start first on this one. Vikings plus eight-and-a-half, man.
1: Yeah, much higher total, so that it doesn't apply. A lot of the times we were attacking these low totals with teasers, knowing that we get more value here. But the Lions, I just don't see them winning games by two scores. I know they just did. Um, but are they going to do it back-to-back against a much better team here in the Vikings? These are two of the worst three defenses in the league in yards per play, which is why the total is so high. I think it could go over even at this number. Minnesota's offense struggled against the Jets despite the win. They're going to have more success in this matchup, even with Detroit's defense coming off their best game because they're 32nd in yards per play. Um, Minnesota's defense has a allowed 400-plus yards and four straight, and in more than half of their games this season. I think it's going to be a close high-scoring game back and forth. Minnesota has shown they can win those games. You know, that we know their record of one-score game is massive this year after being terrible last year. Um, so we'll see if they can do it again here, or if regression starts to kick in. Either way, I think it's going to be a one-score game. So love teasing it through the three and the seven.
2: All right. And tell you what, M squared, man, same deal. Teaser leg, Vikings plus eight and a half. What do you see?
1: Yeah,
3: look, it's very similar to the Baltimore game. Uh, I think a little bit of an overreaction here. Look, the Lions have definitely improved. They're a middle-of-the-pack team. These teams are relatively close to each other in rating. That's what this line is suggesting. This line is suggesting that these two teams are essentially identical. The home field advantage on average in the NFL, worth about two and a half points, maybe a little less than that. But the market is saying essentially the Lions are equal to the Vikings, I'm not quite ready to believe it yet. While I do respect what they have done so far this season, they had a nice victory last week. Uh, they, now they get to contain Justin Jefferson. They get to contain this Vikings team in a comfortable domed environment. Uh, they, they've got to keep up. They've got to limit mistakes here. So I, I simply think it's an overreaction. I think the line should be a pick'em, and it's difficult to win football games by two full scores. If you tease it now before the line moves to two or one and a half or one or pick them by game day, you can get that at eight and a half. I like pairing it with the Ravens at eight and a half.
2: All right, and Maestro, look, you've got one on each side. You going, Jared Goff? You going, Kirk Cousins? How do you feel about this game, man?
4: It's gonna be a fun shootout. And Jared Goff, though, at home is you know seventeen TDs, three picks, a passer rating of one hundred and five. This offense looks unstoppable and has a great matchup. But the thing that I'm looking at, and I brought this up a while ago, and I think RJ scoffed under his breath. I don't know if he <laughs> scoffed out loud or not, but he wasn't really accounting for what I'm saying. When the Lions fired their secondary coach, Aubrey Pleasant, because they were not sticking to their assignments, he for some reason he couldn't get the guys in the secondary to do what they were supposed to do. Since then, they are 4-1 and with a ton of interceptions. They had, like, almost no interceptions. They beat Green Bay. They beat the Bears, I believe. That was a pick six. I know that RJ discounts that pick six because it was thrown right to the uh, linebacker. They beat the Giants handily. They almost beat the Bills. And then they crushed the Jags 40-14. to So the improvement on the defensive side is what I'm looking at. And, yes, if it's less than a field goal, I will have to look at the Lions.
2: Right, man, there we go. All right, let's jump into our afternoon slate of games uh, for NFL Sunday Week 14. But before we do, let's take a quick break and hear from one of our partners. And we are back. All right, our first one here, Sunday, 4.05 p.m. Eastern. The Chiefs, a nine-point favorite at the Broncos, a total of 43. We just saw the Broncos lose 10-9 to nine to the Ravens. The Chiefs dropped by the Bengals. We have one official play on this one. Maestro, Chiefs minus nine, man. What do you see him?
4: You still got to respect the way the Broncos are playing defense. Uh, I was impressed with what they did, even though Lamar Jackson was out. But, I mean, getting the Chiefs off a loss against an offense that cannot score, the talk in Denver is how much of Russell Wilson's contract should he give back to help the team? I mean – it is a complete disaster they they average under 14 points a game which is almost impossible to do in today's nfl uh it's the worst offense in the league and you get an angry chiefs team that has beaten them 13 straight times the last six meetings by about 100 points uh anything less than 10 you gotta lay it
2: yeah and mike thought it to you man like you know more about the chiefs than anybody how do you feel about this game here
3: uh, I love them to win the game. Uh, I think they definitely win the game in this spot. I've uh, had a few people asking about teasing them. Don't want to tease them down to three. They win the game by a field goal. Your teaser pushes, AKA you lose on a two team teaser. So be very careful with that. Um, as far as the number here, I actually make the number a little less than nine, believe it or not. It is a lot of credit to the Denver defense uh, and the way that they played some of the weapons lacking a little bit at times for Kansas city. Um, I, I think they're very live to go in and win. It wouldn't shock me if there's some sort of backdoor cover situation. So not gonna lay the spread. Uh, we'll have them in a money line parlay, though, for sure.
2: So RJ, I throw it over to you. All right. Chiefs minus nine, total of 43. Take it spread, take it total, however you want to do it. But one quick note the Broncos are one and eleven to the over this year. One and eleven is forty-three too many points. How do you feel about the spread? run with it man what
1: do you see it's up to the chiefs whether 43 is too many points i would be shocked uh, mikey wouldn't but i would be shocked if denver to covered here they only have 14 touchdowns in 12 games so if they're outside of the number at any point, they're not covering. Um, and if Kansas City scores 24, they're probably not covering. They're going to they're gonna score 10 or 13 points. Kansas City has two previous losses this year. They won by at least 10 in both those games, um, pre-after those losses. And that was at Tampa and at San Francisco. Denver is not that team. Um, so I think the Chiefs are going to be focused on winning out, hoping Buffalo loses at Cincinnati later in the season, get that home field advantage. Denver's defense coming off a great game, did have a rough stretch before that. Still a super banged up team. Um, I I don't trust them at all. I don't see why they're going to show up for this game. I think the Chiefs won by double digits. Yeah, it's tough to trust, Denver. Yeah, my struggle.
4: (laughs) Yeah, and Cortland Sutton uh, hurt his hamstring again last week, although Jerry Judy played well. But uh, without Sutton, I mean, that's just one more weapon they don't have. I mean, think about the weapons they've lost. It's not all Russell Wilson. You know, they lost the electric running back. They just lost a lot of pieces.
2: Yeah, they've lost a lot of them. I mean, it's just brutal. Yeah, Mike, were you gonna say? I
3: was just say yeah. The Chiefs, for whatever reason, obviously one of the reasons is they are a great team, so they're faced with big numbers and they're inflated. Uh, the Chiefs are one and seven against the spread against the AFC.
2: Wow, one and seven. Yeah, wow, incredible. All right, our next game here.
3: Uh, we have no official plays
2: on it. Panthers at the Seahawks. Seahawks a three and a half point favorite. Uh, it is Sunday, 425 p.m. Eastern, a total of 43 and a half. All right. The Seahawks are down. They're running back, right? No official plays. Maestro, i throw it over to you first. How do you see this game playing? Anything you like here.
4: This is a real tough one for me. I, I definitely would love to play the Seahawks, but I'm a little worried because their defense is so bad. And then, you know, Sam Darnold did give Carolina a lift uh, in his last game. So, Uh, Plus, they, I believe, have a nice rest advantage here. So, I don't know. Right now, I'm staying away. I'm I'm curious to hear what these guys think.
2: Yeah, this one's tough, man. RJ, your thoughts here on anything. Spread, total, money line. How would you go about this one?
1: Yeah, the look ahead was six and a half. So the the you know initial reaction is that okay this has moved too much and that Seattle's probably a value because the number isn't the Carolina didn't play last week and Seattle gutted out a win against a very bad Rams team. So the gut reaction is this this line shouldn't have been three points off last week. So you probably would look to play Seattle. Um, I'm leaning to the Carolina side. They're three and three since going away from Baker Mayfield. Now he's out of the building. But that team's three and three without him. Their only regulation losses and those three losses are at Cincy at Baltimore. Two very tough games. Um, Their offense had 169 plus rush yards in those four good games. They're doing it by establishing the run, playing, running the ball with four men, running, you know, even without McCaffrey, they're playing very well in the ground game. Seattle's defense, 28th in yards per rush. So that should be effective in this game. Carolina's defense, eighth in pass yards per play. Gino has been great. Um, You know, sleeper MVP buzz for him. I know he's not going to win it, but it looks very good. Has faced a lot of mediocre pass defenses during this stretch. Um, So my power ratings like Seattle, like I said, I'm not adjusting the line as much um, after what happened last week. But I'll back Carolina coming off a bye with the matchup advantage. I do think the line's going to go up. I think people are going to want to be on Seattle. Um, So I'm probably waiting until we get four, four and a half, and then locking in uh, Carolina.
2: Yeah, it makes sense. Mikey, throw it over to you, man. Like, do you see any line movement during the week? Anything that you target uh, player-wise from a DFS prop perspective? Anything that you see in this game here?
3: Yeah, this projects is a matchup that is extremely good for Tyler Lockett individually. So he's someone I'll be focused on, likely through anytime touchdown props. Um, maybe the receptions um, or receiving yardage, excuse me. Uh, as far as the game itself, though, look, I think the number should be five um the market has priced this for whatever reason some of it's on the carolina side although it is a travel spot for them a pretty significant travel spot uh th- this thing's priced for ken walker as if he was worth 3 points to a spread um i there isn't a running back in the nfl that is worth 3 points to a spread so while he is one of the best running backs in the league i think it's a little extreme at that point so i do make the game 5 not super eager to go play it at this point uh, I think the over is an interesting look here at 43 and a half. Um, we've talked about RJ kind of alluded to some of the struggles defensively, or maybe one of you, the guys has alluded to the struggles defensively on the Seattle side. Uh, I do see them allowing points in this game. I do see them winning. Uh, you're under a key number of 44 here. So if I had to lean anywhere in the game right now, it would be Seattle. As long as you're getting it at three and a half, I wouldn't touch it at four. Wouldn't touch it above four. And I like the over lean as long as it's 43 and a half or below.
1: Nice job, man. All right. I will Our, say real quick, yeah, real quick. I would say that the market's probably not capping for Kenneth Walker as being three points. I think it's more Seattle's defense, as bad as it is, should have had a good game against the Rams. And they were just, when you're getting beat up by the Rams backups and almost lost that game. I think a lot of people just, okay, they're now they're done with the Seahawks. They're saying this defense isn't going to stop anyone. So I think that's really more in play. You can't have them laying a lot of points because their defense can't stop anybody.
2: Yep, good call there, man. Excellent call. All right. Speaking of speaking of injuries here, all right, our final game of the Sunday afternoon slate. We have the Bucks at the 49ers. Sunday, 425 p.m. Eastern, a total 37 and a half. We just saw the Bucks on Monday Night Football, Tom Brady, and their comeback win over the New Orleans Saints. San Francisco 49ers, obviously, without Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. We don't have any official plays, but RJ, I'm gonna throw it right back at you, man. How do you feel about this? Short week yeah for tampa bay 49ers getting used to our man purdy out there how do you see this one playing up
1: yeah imagine telling someone before the season you can get three and a half points by playing tom brady against a seventh round rookie quarterback in any matchup and it feels like you have to take the the bucks at that at that point you know it just makes just blindly take them at, you know it makes sense their their offense is a lead in, in interception percentage and sack rate doesn't turn it over doesn't allow sacks but good luck against that San Francisco defensive front with this offensive line that doesn't have Tristan Wirfs now. I think that's going to be a mess there. I think the Tampa defense should limit Purdy now that he ha- he's on tape and they can prep for him they have something to, to go by. But the defense hasn't been great against the run, um, as they have been in the past. So what if San Francisco just pounds the ball and plays defense, which we know they can do very well. Um, Tampa has Monday night football game that has to go cross country. I mean, it's an awful travel rest spot for them. So it feels silly to lay points with Purdy. But that's the way I'm leaning right now. I just don't trust Tampa, the, the team that we've seen in the last few weeks.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, Monday night against the Saints, I mean, that offense was atrocious until the final two drives for Tampa. It was just atrocious. Their offensive line was getting whipped. And you want to talk about, as you just mentioned, the San Francisco 49ers defense might be teeing off against that. But, Maestro, I throw it over to you. You know, the Bucs run defense, pretty good. Right? Is there a scenario here where they force San Francisco to put the ball in the air, or Debo, Christian McCaffrey, is it just too much on the ground? How do you see this one playing out?
4: I just think Kyle Shanahan is so creative that he's not going to have to abandon the run. He's going to get different designs in there to beat this Bucks defense. And, you know, the Bucks should have lost the game. If Dennis Allen, you know, if Mark Ingram doesn't go out of bounds, if Dennis Allen doesn't punt the ball or just runs the ball on third and one before punting, they probably don't come back to win the game. And then we're looking at a line that's probably four or higher. So to me, the value's on the Niners.
2: Mikey, same question to you, man. Anything you see spread wise, anything you see total 37 and a half low here. And a question for you too. Um, the Bucks on a short week travel across the country, it, d, d, how much does that matter? Is there value in there? Break it down.
3: Uh, I don't think it matters a ton. Uh, the short week being from Sunday or you know Monday night to Sunday, we'd be worried a lot more if it was a West Coast to East Coast early start time. Uh, so not a significant thing for them, especially coming off of a win. Had they lost the game? Yes, I think it would actually matter a little bit more. As far as the number in the game, I make San Francisco minus two in the game. Um, That that puts a little bit of a lean, maybe a full play. Probably should be a full play uh, if we didn't have the big unknown with Brock Purdy playing. Like RJ mentioned, I think one thing that's interesting about it is now there's a little film on him just from that little uh, sample that we saw from him. Um, I, I think that he's got a long week ahead of him individually. So while it might be a short week for Tampa Bay, I would consider it to be somewhat of a short week for San Francisco as well, just because of all the new, all of everything that they have to work through there. I know that he's been in the system. I know that he's taken reps. I know that he's likely been prepared and studying, but it's still a week with a lot of uncomfortable things going on there for that team. So, uh, you know, blindly trusting the computer. It's San Francisco minus two, probably should be playing Tampa Bay plus three and a half. Not going to touch it at this point. Um, Decent edge on the over at 37. I, I have this game coming in at 40 and a half.
2: All right. And one quick question, Maestro, before we end this one and jump to Sunday Night Football. You were spot on uh, last night, Monday night, in regards to the Bucks' offense and Chris Godwin uh, over, you know, in terms of receptions. But really, Tom Brady as a whole and the passing volume. And his number pass attempts against the Saints was, I, I believe, 44. And he ended up with, what, 52 53 passive tips. Do you see another super high volume passing game out of Tom Brady?
4: Yeah, just because I I think they'll try to run the ball. They always try, but they've except against the Seahawks. That was the game where Rashad White broke out, had 105 yards. But otherwise, this team cannot really run block. You don't have Tristan Wirfs, your all-pro tackle. That was your best remaining offensive lineman. I don't see them creating a lot of holes. I think it's going to be similar where you see. Brady dropping back 45-plus times, trying to get the ball out fast before the pass rush, dinking and dunking. You know, he had big plays available. He just missed them. Uh, you know, that was kind of alarming to see him miss about two or three really big plays that were right there for him.
2: Yeah, he did. And that deep ball, man, like it looks like a moonshot. Like it's not coming out of a live drive as much as it used to. Uh, but I'm with you, man. I mean, they, you, you were spot on with it in regards to what their offense would look like. All right. Let's get to Sunday night football here. We have the Dolphins, a three-point favorite on the road at the Chargers, Sunday night, 8.20 p.m. Eastern, a total of 51 and a half. No official plays on this one. Mikey, I throw it over to you first, man. What do you see? Spread-wise, total, do the Dolphins bounce back after that 49ers loss? What do you thoughts too?
3: Yeah, I definitely think the Dolphins bounce back. I was hoping to find two and a halfs in the market. I don't think so. I think we might hit three and a half. Um, I, I like the Dolphins here. It's his dream matchup for Tyreek Hill individually. It's going to be very, very difficult for the Chargers to stop them. They find ways to lose football games. Uh, I, I think that there's a pretty big coaching edge on the Miami side in this particular game. I think it's an excellent bounce back opportunity here for them. Um, yeah, I, I like the Dolphins. I'm going to be playing them on the money line in the money line parlay, uh, likely a three legger with Cincinnati and the Raiders. Like all three of those teams, but Miami gets the win here.
2: Yeah, and you know, the Chargers defense, the defensive line front, solid. Their secondary can get worked a lot. We saw the Raiders have massive success in the air against the Chargers. And the fascinating thing on the other side for the Chargers offense, Prentice Daily, like, even when it was, they were down 14 in the fourth quarter, like, they run the ball on first down and lose a yard, I swear, every single time. So they're second and 12, like, There's no team in the NFL that plays behind the sticks and faces third down and longs more than the Chargers offense. RJ, I throw it over to you. No official play here. Your thoughts spread-wise, total-wise, what do you see in my man?
1: Yeah, I'm close to making the Dolphins a play, too, like Mikey. They just got their clocks cleaned by an elite defense. Chargers should be much easier matchup. They're especially bad versus the run, but also 24th in pass yards per play, which makes them 31st in yards per play overall. 24th in sack percentage, a much, much different matchup than that San Francisco side. So we'll see if Toronto Armstead is good for this game. That'll make me a lot more confident. We'll see if two is fine. I know we got hurt at the end of that game. (laughs) Doesn't seem like it's a, a a serious thing, so I expect him to play here. The line obviously expects him to play here. It would be much different if he wasn't playing, so or he was a threat not to play. So I think we have to assume he's in. And if Armstead's in, I'm definitely going to make it a play. But I do want to lay three before it goes up, so I might have to lock it in pretty quickly. The Miami defense has actually been much better than the Vegas defense. Um, that that the Chargers had issues with twenty down set so twenty seven thirteen. Um, you know before they had their first uh, offensive touchdown because that first touchdown was defensive, um, and their defense played poorly in that game too. So I don't think the Chargers are a lock to top 20 points, even against what people think is a bad Dolphins defense in this game. I think the Dolphins are going to win pretty handily.
2: Yeah. You know, you just brought up an excellent point because you're right. Like that first quarter pick six that they had on Derek Carr. If that doesn't happen, oof! like their offense did not have success against a Raiders defense that not that great. You know what I mean? Like it's susceptible to giving up yardage and big plays. Maestro, your thoughts here, man, Dolphins, you like the spread. You like the Chargers at home total big what do you think man
4: one trend i'm looking at and i don't have the exact number offhand but it's something like 12 and 30 and that is justin herbert's ats record in the second half if you look uh you know it it played out this past week against the cardinals it didn't but against most of the other teams he's been starting fast and then in the second half uh not doing much of anything uh, so I might look at the Dolphins in the second half uh, and maybe the Chargers to start fast like they have been when they're an underdog.
2: Dude, I'll tell you this. You were spot on with that. And Sunday, we uh, we played the Chargers first half, team total over 11 and a half. They're one of the highest scoring teams in the first half in the NFL up there with Philadelphia. You look at them in the second quarter, dude, monstrous, man. Like They, they, they mirror Philly very similar in terms of their fast starts. Uh, the only difference is Philly generally keeps it going. <laughs> In the game, yeah, they fall behind. So, yeah, good call on that one for sure. All right, final game here of week 14, Monday Night Football. We have the Patriots, a one-point favorite on the road at the Arizona Cardinals. All right, 8.15 p.m. Eastern kick, a total of 44. No official plays on it. RJ, I'm going to throw it right at you, man. Low number here. What do you think?
1: Yeah, we're making the Patriots a favorite on the road. I mean, their offense has played well once in their last five, and that was against an awful Minnesota pass defense, missing several cornerbacks. I know the Arizona defense isn't great either, but they're not as bad as Minnesota, and they had the bye week to get healthier here. New England's defense has struggled against mobile quarterbacks. We saw it against Baltimore in a home loss. We saw it against Chicago in a home loss. Surprisingly, got their butt speed by Justin Fields um, in that game. Um, So I think their defense could struggle in this matchup, and their offense could struggle in this matchup. Marquise Brown closer to full health after the bye. You finally get that Talented Arizona receiver group all kind of together. We'll see about Rondell Moore, but the two I'm worried about is Brown and Hopkins, and both of them at 100% could be scary for this Patriots defense. New England has lost all three primetime games they played this year by seven plus points. I don't think they should be favored here. I There are plenty of one and a halfs in the market on Tuesday. I was prepared to tease the Cardinals up to seven-and-a-half with the uh, Vikings before the line moved in the Ravens game, and I could tease at that number. So if you have another teaser you like, or if you want to play a six-and-a-half-point teaser at minus 130 and you can only have the minus one, I think the Cardinals are a good teaser. Like.
2: All right, Maestro, I'll throw it over to you because you've been spot on in regards to players like Ramondre Stevenson, right? Uh The Patriots offense. We've seen an uptick. From what they were four or five weeks ago, but on the road, a one point favorite here. How do you see this game coming out, spread or total wise? Like, what do you like it?
4: Well, before the season, I laid minus 160 on the Patriots not to make the playoffs. So I was happy to see the last two weeks after they had that great six and four start. But, you know, they got to face Zach Wilson twice and Sam Ellinger. So, you know, it's a grain of salt. And RJ is right. They, struggle against mobile quarterbacks Josh Allen though he didn't even need to run because the Patriots offense was doing absolutely nothing so they just decided you know what I'll I'll just throw it I'll just hand it off and we don't even need to use that facet of our game but Kyler Murray will so yeah to me it's definitely going to be looking at the Cardinals here
2: all right you know what speaking of that Mikey I throw it over to you um you are way more knowledgeable than probably anybody that I know in regards to DFS or player props in this Cardinals offense. You've got a pretty good handle on it. How do you see that? How do you see this game spread or total wise? Just what are your thoughts in general here?
3: Yeah, so on the game, uh, I'm on the Cardinals side here, like RJ and everyone here. I don't think the Patriots should be favored like this on the road in this particular spot. This is also, like RJ said, one of the first times that we're going to see the receiving core healthy. I I think it makes a pretty big difference for them. We've also seen the Patriots really get exposed by mobile quarterbacks. This projects as a spot where Kyler has a decent day on the ground. Um, I don't know that the Patriots can keep up offensively in this game personally so I, I like the Cardinals if you can still find the one and a halfs out there it's a great teaser leg put it with Minnesota put it with Baltimore those are the two games that I like the most uh in terms of teasing um, as far as player props like look I, I like Hopkins um, I'll probably be a little shy on the player prop market in this particular game just because we're going to have all of those receivers healthy for one of the first times really they'll definitely eat into each other's numbers a little bit. Um, but I, I do like the Cardinals here in this spot. It, it sets up nicely for the Cardinals to maybe put a couple wins in a row together here, make things look good enough to save Kyler, save Cliff Kingsbury. And, and it's unfortunate for uh, Cardinals fans here, but they, they have a couple games down the stretch here that I think they could win. Uh, and then they might play the 49ers the last week of the season when the 49ers don't have anything a ton to play for at that point, potentially. Um, Yeah, it's it's a good spot for the Cardinals here down the stretch.
2: Dude, the Cardinals are wild. Like, I mean, they just re-signed both the head coach and the quarterback. There, got them on deals. Yeah, that's crazy. And the GM. Yeah, go ahead. What's that?
1: And the GM. I mean, they, they resigned That's everybody. Right. They're like, this yeah. is the future of the team. We are in a great spot. And they went out and looked terrible. But, you know, they with a lot of injuries and schematically. I don't know. They need to design something around that fits around Kyler Murray because it was weird that first game he was out and Colt McCoy came in and ran the offense better than Kyler Murray. That shouldn't happen with your backup quarterback.
2: No, it shouldn't. And, and Colt McCoy, I mean, he's play, he played great while he was in there. And you want to speak about another offense. We were talking about Brandon Staley of the Chargers. You want to speak about another offense, Cliff Kingsbury, who will run the football on first down. Watch it. Sometimes it works. A lot of times it doesn't. They play from behind as well. But when it does work, that's when things get wild for them. And I say that positively uh, is when they can have success running the football on a first down. So pay attention to that one. All right. I'll tell you what. What else is nice is that it's now time for the NFL Week 14 recap presented by Caesars Sportsbook and Casino. RJ, start us off first. I like
1: the Raiders minus six. The Raiders are at the Rams. Seattle was minus seven at the Rams, um, close minus six and a half, and they were playing a better quarterback in John Walford than the Raiders are going to have to play here. I think the Raiders handle that matchup. This line should be north of a touchdown, so give me the Raiders minus six. I have the Jets' Bills under 44. These teams played in a defensive battle in their first matchup. Jets' defense is, is playing very well. I think the Bills' defense, who, who is also playing very well, is going to be a rough spot for Mike White on the road here, so I like that one to stay under 44. Then I have a teaser, Vikings plus eight and a half Ravens plus eight and a half just two perfect teaser legs with both of those teams two and a half point underdogs here I think both those games are going to stay within one score
2: beautiful Mike McClure what do you have sir
1: yeah I've got the same teaser as RJ
3: Vikings and Ravens love this it's a standard teaser here two and a half we're teasing these every single time especially on the Ravens side in a lower scoring game like that Uh, both of these would be full plays also if you find threes in the market out there watch for it you might see it at times love these two sides.
4: The maestro, in your spot, bringing us home, man. What you I'm going to lay the big number with the Kansas City Chiefs coming off a loss. They get to face the Broncos, who they've beaten 13 straight times the last six meetings, 168-74. to 74. Denver averaging under 14 points a game. If the Chiefs get to 24 or more, which they should, they'll cover.
2: Beautiful. Well done, everybody. Thank you so much. To Caesar Sportsbook and Casino. Thank you so much to the Early Edge Chat, the best in the game. We will be live Wednesday, normal time, 10 a.m. Eastern for the Early Edge and 3 p.m. Eastern for the College Football Mega Bowl preview. We're going to break down all of our best bets for college football bowl games, including the college football playoff. Take a look at that as well. But until then, everyone, best of luck. Let's cash these tickets. We'll see you tomorrow.